0: And once again, I am grateful for this opportunity that Allah has gathered us once again in this worldly life. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to accept our gathering, to forgive our sins and our shortcomings. My brothers and sisters in Islam, I want to start off with a story that was mentioned by Al-Imam Ahmed And it is a story that involves three of the best and the greatest men to walk the earth after Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is a story between Abu Bakr anhu, Umar and Uthman radiallahu anhum And this story inshaAllah ta'ala is going to be the start and it's going to drive the point home. And that is that the believers' greatest concern is supposed to be the hereafter and nothing else So Uthman radiallahu anhu narrates this story He said one day he was sitting And this was during the khilafah of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu So as Uthman radiallahu anhu was sitting Umar radiallahu anhu walked past him And he gave him a salam So Uthman did not respond and Uthman and Umar, anhu was bothered by this, so he continued to walk until he reached Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu, and he complained to him. He said to him, "Moments ago, I walked past Uthman, and I gave him salam, and he did not respond to me." So Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu took this matter serious, because brotherhood between the companions was a preserved and a sacred matter. So Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu, Umar, both of them, went to Uthman. And Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu said to Uthman, Why didn't you give your brother Umar a salam? Why didn't you respond to his salam? So Uthman radiyallahu anhu said, Umar radiyallahu anhu did not walk past me, nor did he give me any salam. So Umar anhu, he said, Wallahi, I walked past him and I gave him a salam." However, it's the pride of Bani Umayyah, referring to the family of Uthman It's his pride and his arrogance that prevented him from returning my salam. So then Abu Bakr anhu, he looked back at Uthman And Uthman emphasized once again Saying, Wallahi, he did not pass by me and he did not give me salam. So Abu Bakr anhu, he said to Umar that Uthman anhu, was bothered by something huge. And so he perhaps didn't even notice you and notice your salam. Upon this, Uthman anhu, said, Indeed, O oh Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu questioned Uthman and he said to him, Ya Uthman, what has bothered you and what has concerned you to the point that you forgot and you did not notice your brother walking past you and giving you a salam? And then Uthman radiallahu anhu he said Ya Abu Bakr the Nabi sallallahu passed away. He passed away, and I did not have the chance to ask him, What saves us on the day of judgment? Allahu Akbar. And so he was occupied, and he was so concerned about the day of judgment, and the afterlife, and the hereafter, that he didn't even notice Umar radiallahu anhu walking past and giving salam. And by the way, Uthman is already guaranteed the paradise. He's from the ten that are already guaranteed the paradise. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he says, قَدْ سَأَلْتُهُ عن ذَلِكُ I've already asked the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa about this matter that is bothering you. So Uthman radiallahu anhu immediately got up and he rushed to Abu Bakr and he said to him, he said to him, My father and my mother, I'll sacrifice them for your sake. You're the most rightful person to ask this question to Nabi sallam. Tell me. What did he answer you? What did he answer you with? So Abu Bakr anhu he said, I asked the messenger wasallam, and I said to him, Ya Rasulullah مَن نَجَاتُوا مَا نَجَاتُوا هَذَا الْأَمْرِ O oh Messenger of Allah What will save us on that day? On the day of judgment? On the day in which people and mankind Are gathered naked, barefooted, uncircumcised, poor? So النبي صلى sallallahu alayhi وسلم He said مَن قَبِلَ مِنِّي الْكَلِمَةَ الَّتِي عَرَضْتُهَا عَلَىٰ عَمِّي فَرَدَّهَا فَرَدَّهَا عَلَيْهِ فَهِيَ lahu najat. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Whoever accepts and adheres and commits to the word that I presented to my uncle Abu Talib and he rejected it, which is La ilaha illallah, then this would save him on the day of judgment and this would be what will save him on the day of judgment and in the afterlife. My brothers and sisters in Islam, this is a story, an introduction to the matter. We realize from this, Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum, their greatest concern in life was the afterlife, and how how are they going to make it on the day of judgment? How will they be saved from Allah's punishment, and how will they enter the paradise? And this is a concern and concern of the three greatest men that walked the earth after Nabi sallallahu alayhi Each and every single one of them was promised by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a position in the paradise. Yet, the believer cannot control his emotion and his heart but to be concerned. And so tonight's lecture is going to be How does a person make the afterlife his greatest concern? Especially during a time and age in which we live in a digital age that we live in phones are in our hands 24 7 We are occupied and bothered by news. Perhaps if this story was narrated by one of us Then if you were to complain about a brother that gave you Salam and he did not respond Maybe that person was occupied by something of this worldly life and not something of the afterlife وَلَى وَلَى We ask Allah to rectify our state and affairs Al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says that the, as in the hadith of Zayd ibn Thabit Man kanat al-akhirah hammu. This is a hadith This hadith al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa teaches us That as mankind we have two roads to choose from One of these roads, Man kanat al-akhirah tuhammuh Anyone who makes the afterlife his greatest concern there are prizes. There are three things that are mentioned in the hadith. We will leave these until the end and now we're going to focus on this first point. How does a believer make the afterlife his greatest concern? My brothers and sisters in Islam, these are not just words that you say on your tongue when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, and it's not like you get up in the morning and you say, ah, Bismillah, today the afterlife is my greatest concern. And then you move on in your daily routine and your daily life. That's not the case. kana The one who has made the afterlife his concern, then this would require a commitment of worship from the very beginning of the day. And so you take out 10 to 15 to 20 minutes before Salat al-Fajr, and you rise at this time. And the only reason you've woke up so that you can pray two raka'at before Adhan al-Fajr takes place. The one who gets up 20 minutes before Adhan al-Fajr with the intention of praying two raka'at lillah is starting to prove to himself from the very beginning of the day that the afterlife is my greatest concern. Otherwise, why would you get up? At a time in which it's not a time of cooking, it's not a time to take children to school, it's not a time of work, it's not a time to respond to emails and to receive phone calls and to make phone calls. This is not a worldly time. Rather, mankind at this time are all dead and all asleep. And from among mankind, you wake up 20 minutes before Adhan al-Fajr. Allahu Akbar. And you internalize and you feel Hadith the nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which Allah azza wa jal he says, رَجُلٌ مِّن أُمَّتِي يَقُومُ مِذَا اللَّيْلِ يُعَالِجُ نَفْسَهُ إِلَى الطَّهُورِ وَهَا وَعَلَيْهِ عُقَدُ النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, he says that Allah عز says, there a person, there is a person from among my nation, my Ummah. He rises at night. This could be a man or a woman. Watch, observe this scenario. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting and taking notice of it. You might be getting up and no one watches you and no one sees you. This is not a moment that is televised and broadcasted live on social media. This is a moment between you and Allah جل, and it's going to test how sincere you are concerning making the afterlife your greatest concern. A person rises at night. يُعَالِجُ نَفْسَهُ إِلَى الطُّهُورِ He strives and struggles against himself to perform an wuduq Shuf Allah notices the struggle, and the hardship, and the pain, and the difficulty that it takes to get up 20-30 minutes before Adhan al-Fajr to make Wuduq. And on his neck, on the back of his head, there are knots that are tied by a shaytan فَإِذَا وَضَّأَ وَجَهُهُ عُقْدَهُ The moment you wash your face with warm water, especially in this freezing cold weather, and it is permissible to turn on the tap and wait for the water to become warm, there is no sin and there is no transgression if the water is passing and it's running and you're waiting for it to be warm. So you don't have to worry about wasting water as al-ulama, rahimahumullah, mentioned. Once you wash your face, one knot is untied. When he now washes his hand, another tie is unknotted. And when he wipes his head, another tie is unknotted. And when he washes finally his foot, the last of the ties are unknotted. <laughs> Allah wa He addresses those behind the curtain. And those are the angels, the high-ranking angels that are in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says to them, أُنظُرُوا هَذَا لِيَسْأَلَنِي Look at this servant of mine. Observe him. Look what he did for my sake. Go ahead and ask. Allah is saying to this person, Go ahead and ask. Make a dua. Request from me. Allah says twice Whatever this servant requests from me shall be granted to him. Whatever he requests from me shall be granted to him. Twice. Al-ulama, rahimahum Allah, they say the first time is Allah inviting you to request whatever you want from the matters of this worldly life. And the second time Allah says it, He is requesting from you to ask Him whatever you want of the matters of the afterlife. Look at this person, he has got up, he has made wudu only, he hasn't prayed yet. And he is in a position of an accepted du'a. Allahu Akbar. And such a person has proven to himself. al humma. The afterlife is his greatest concern. Once you finish al-wubu' and you walk out. You say, ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abdullahi wa rasooluh. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Anyone who says this dhikr after performing al-wudu لَهُ أَبْوَابُ الْجَنَّةِ الثَّمَانِيَةِ يَدْخُلُ مِنْ أَيِّهَا شاء. The eight doors of the paradise open for such a person and he is told on the day of judgment enter whichever one of these eight doors you like Allahu Akbar he does say he has not prayed yet Just wudu' and dhikr after al-wudu' al This is how you're building This concern within your heart This is how you're proving to yourself And to your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala That the afterlife is your greatest concern Afterwards You head towards your room You head towards the prayer area that you have designated in your house. Well, there doesn't have to be a designated area. Pray anywhere in the house. So that multiple parts of this house bear witness for you on the day of judgment that you stood and prayed for Allah. Two (todic) raka'at, my brothers and sisters in Islam. Wallahi, they are going to go a long way. In enhancing your relationship with Allah. And raising your levels and ranks in the paradise Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says Anyone who performs al-wudu And stands and prays two rak'at And he clears his heart of distractions Worldly distractions That's very easy at this time At this time it's very easy And my advice is when you wake up that 20 minutes before Adhan al-Fajr Do not touch your phone Don't touch it. Don't read a single message. Don't open WhatsApp. Because that will begin to play on your heart and on your mind. You wake up fresh. You wake up clean. You wake up peaceful. Tranquil. No noise around you. No distraction. No worldly matters. Keep it that way. If you want to sincerely pray two rak'at in which your heart is clear of worldly distraction. Then don't touch the phone from the very beginning of this day. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions anyone who performs al wudu' and prays two rak'at, cleans his heart of all the distraction, focuses on his salat. Wajabat lahul jannah. The paradise is mandatory for such a person. Allahu akbar. We have scored now an accepted dua. The eight doors of the paradise have opened. And now with these two rak'at, the paradise has become mandatory for such a person. Why? Because this person is proving to himself. The afterlife is his greatest concern. Pray two rak'at. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Al-Furqan, وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ وَقِيَامًا one of the great qualities that Allah jal mentioned of Ibadul Rahman, of the sleeves of the Most Merciful, these are people Allah ascribed to Himself. These are people that are elite and special in the sight of Allah. One of their qualities, Allah jal He said, and those who spend some of the night for their Lord, li-rabbihim, for their Lord, they spend some of it. In ruku' and sujood In standing and in sujood in salat. Ibn Abbas عنه, he said The one who prays two rak'at at night Will be included among this ayah Will be included from this ayah And then you ask about what should I read in these two rak'at? I say to you minimum ten ayat Because in Nabi Sallallahu Wasallam he said مَن قَامَ بِعَشْرِ آيَاتٍ لَمْ يُكْتَبْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ Anyone who prays and recites at least 10 ayat, he will not be counted that night from among the heedless. And if he is not counted from among the heedless, that means he is counted from among those who remembered Allah, and were conscious and aware of Allah. Surah Al-Falaq and surah and Nas together, make 11 ayat. That's your 10 ayat. Heather, is it difficult? Wallahi, it is not difficult. Physically, it is not difficult. But I tell you, my brothers and sisters in Islam, the strength and the power that we require is not a physical strength. This requires spiritual strength, strength of the heart. And that can only be granted by Allah, So you need to be falling on your face in sujood Asking Allah to grant you spiritual strength So that you're able to make the afterlife your greatest concern وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ And those who spent some of their night for their Lord See this لِرَبِّهِمْ It implies love So the only drive and the only inspiration for why you got up at night was for Allah Azza wa Nothing else, no one else. لربهم. You pray these two rak'at. And afterwards, you sit and you engage in istighfar. This is what moments before Adhan al-Fajr. The best thing to do at that time is to seek forgiveness. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised the believers that seek his forgiveness at the time of As-Sahar, meaning at the time of Suhoor, which is this before Adhan al-Fajr. Allah Azza wa He says, Wal mustagfireena bil Ashar, and those who commit to istighfar at the time of Ashar, at the time of Suhoor. This is the first moment of your day. The one who does this, and he is consistent upon this, and builds a routine for himself, is indeed a person who has made al akhirah his afterlife, and the hereafter his greatest concern. My brothers and sisters in Islam, a person is supposed to reflect over Allah subhanahu wa taala's mercy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is paradise and what he has prepared for the believers in the paradise in order, order to remain motivated and in order to remain inspired to continue to worshiping Allah at this very moment. And it is here where I want to share with you an incident. An incident that happens to the believers in the paradise. And wallahi, I only share this with you. So that it is always in your mind When you pray these two rak'at at at night I'm gonna share with you the greatest and the grand gift And the biggest of prizes that the believers receive in the paradise And that is the hadith of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the paradise That's the prize That is the greatest motivation For a believer to keep focus and keep sure that he makes the afterlife his greatest concern. When you get up at night, work towards this hadith that I'll share with you. Put it right in between your eyes. And if this doesn't serve as a great inspiration, then you need to find where your heart is and clean it and rectify it because it's perhaps really dusty and rusted. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, in the paradise, when the believers have entered, a caller is going to call out. O people of the paradise, your Lord is inviting you all for a visit. So hurry up, come along to visit Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the believers will say, "Sama ta'atan, we hear and we obey." And they will get up hastily, rushing to his visit, Subhanahu wa Taala. فَإِذَا قد أُحِدَّتْ لَهُمْ And then the best of transportation is prepared for them, and they get on the back of these transport, and it rushes the people of the paradise until they reach an area in the paradise called al Wadi Al-Afyah al Wadi Al-Afyah means a huge open space that has been made for this special appointment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said They all gather up in that location in that area, and no one is left behind. Think of this hadith, my brothers and sisters in Islam. As you wake up at night, pray these two rak'at. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will order for His Kursi to come down and be established in that area, in that open space. And then thrones will be prepared and set up, thrones made of light, Allahu a'lam how, and thrones made of pearl and ruby and precious stones and gems and gold and silver. The entire space is set up and prepared with urush thrones. And the prophets and the messengers will be called and they will sit in the front lines. And then a siddiqeen will sit behind them a shuhada will sit behind them. And then there are sand dunes. Sand dunes from Al Misk. They smell and they have a fragrance of musk. The righteous and everyone else will be sitting on them. And there is no one inferior to anyone. Everyone is equal and everyone is the same. And those that sit on the sand dunes do not feel that they are less important than those that are sitting on the thrones. And this seating arrangement, this seating arrangement, the way it's decided, is your presence and attendance on the day of Friday. Those that attend al Jumu'ah and sitting in the front lines really early, are those that will be sitting in the front line on that Friday when there is this grand special meeting with Allah, جل, it is according to your presence on the day of, on, on the day of Friday. Then the Prophet he said, حَتَّى إِذَا اسْتَقَرَّتْ بِهِمَّ Once everyone has settled and has taken their position and their place, a caller will call out, and he will say, Ya Ahlal Jannah Inna lakum inda Allahi maw'idan He said, O people of the paradise Allah has a promise for all of you And he wants to fulfill his promise to you all So the believers, they will say Didn't he already brighten our faces? Didn't he already cause our scales to weigh heavy? Didn't he already admit us into the paradise and save us from the hellfire? And they continue to mention what Allah has bestowed upon them of mercy and blessing. As they are in this state talking what Allah has blessed them with, all of a sudden, a light will shine upon them all. And that will light up the paradise altogether, And they will raise their heads جل And all of a sudden It is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has manifested above them Encompassing them from above And He will say to them Subhanahu wa ta'ala He will say يَا أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ assalamu عَلَيْكُمْ O oh believers, O oh people of the paradise Peace be upon you all Then they will respond with the best words that were ever said Allahumma اللَّهُمَّ wa السَّلَامُ وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ ya يَا Jalali Wal وَالْإِكْرَامُ O oh Allah, you are the peace And from you comes the peace You are full of blessings you're the possessor of majesty and honor. Then their Lord, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, will manifest and display to them. And He will be smiling at them. And He will say to them, He will say to them, and this is the very first words they will hear from Allah. He will say, where are those? Where are my slaves that obeyed me without seeing me? اليوم, اليوم Today is the day of increase and the day of abundance. See this word here. Make sure this is your focus. Every night when you wake up, Allah will tell the believers, bil wa lam Where are those who worship me? and never saw me. Even the case of the believer that wants to make the afterlife his greatest concern. He must be standing, worshipping Allah, knowing that Allah Azza sees him, yet he cannot see him. أَيْنَ bil how, how are you going to be part of this hadith? If you never had an effort to get up, and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to prove that the afterlife is your concern. So, all the people of the paradise will gather and unite upon one word. They will say, Our Lord, we are pleased with that which you have given us. So, be pleased with us, bestow your pleasure upon us. So, Allah would say, O oh people of the paradise, if I wasn't pleased with you, I wouldn't have admitted you into my paradise This is the day of increase This is the day of abundance Ask me, request from me So they all gather and unite upon one word And they say Our Lord, show us your face So that we may look at you This is a grand moment this is a special moment this is the peak of all prizes in the paradise and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove the veil and he will remove the curtain that is between him and his creation and it is at that moment they will all be enveloped with the light that is emanating from him subhanahu wa ta'ala Allahu Akbar and had Allah not decreed for them not to burn, we would have all burnt. And there will be no one that remains in this gathering except that Allah Subhanahu will speak to him individually. And he will remind a person about the wrongdoings that he used to do in this worldly life. And he will say to him, don't you remember when you did such and such? And this person will say, oh Lord, didn't you forgive me? And Allah would say, of course, My forgiveness has reached you. And this is why you're in the position that you are in. And this happens every Friday. It happens every Friday. And so you recall, and you remember this hadith. And you remember this incident that happens between Allah and the believers. And this should be a great motivation and an inspiration for you all to get up the 20 minutes before Salat al-Fajr and pray two rak'at for Allah. In hope that you are invited to this open space and open land So that you can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala My brothers and sisters in Islam It will be moments before Adhan al-Fajr And then once Adhan al-Fajr is called Once Adhan al-Fajr is called You get up And you pray two rak'at sunnat al-Fajr Don't skip two rak'at sunnat al-Fajr these two rak'at before Fajr And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa used to pray it Whether he was a resident or on travel Even in Hajj Those who have experienced al Hajj And have slept a night in Muzdalifah You know people slept a night in Muzdalifah They're hungry They've slept only a few moments, a few hours They're tired, they're restless It's hot It's extreme, it's exhausting even then the Nabi sallallahu would pray two raka'at Sunnah al-fajr And he would say al dunya That these two raka'at before salat al-fajr Are better than this worldly life and everything that is in it Of gold and silver and cars and homes and positions and whatever you can think of How you might ask? How? How? And if I was given a suitcase of a million dollars, how is that not better than the two raqaat? I tell you why. And, and please, my brothers and sisters in Islam, Wallah, don't miss these two rakat. When you pray the two raqaat Sunnat al-Fajr, be well and sure and aware that there is nothing possibly on earth that you could be doing that is better than what you are doing at that very moment. Nothing will Allah if the entire world was given to you. It will not be better than these two rak'at. Hard to understand. But uqsimu billah, you'll see the reality of this in your grief and on the Day of Judgment. And you will be grateful that Allah gave you firmness and steadfastness to pray these two rak'at and never be distracted by anything other than that. How are they better than the entire world and everything that's in it? Al-ulama, rahimahum Allah, they say because the reward of these two rak'at is permanent It remains in your book of good deeds And it follows you to your grief And then it comes and it's resurrected with you And then it's placed on your scale until you're pushed into the paradise Whereas this worldly life If it was given to you, it is only temporary The day you die, it's all gone The day you die Everything you owned is stripped away from you Your wallet Your watch Your phone Your cars Even your clothes Even your name Everything is stripped away from you Rather wallah You'll be surprised And amazed to know That if you are buried And had a golden tooth It is your family they will dig the grave and pull the golden tooth out And then they'll bury you again Even that You will not be taking with you So how can the worldly life be better than these two raka'at When it is only temporarily in your hand And these two rakat Are going to stay and remain And they are permanent Never miss these two rakat, The one who wants to prove to himself that the afterlife is his greatest concern, then do not miss it. Even if you came to Salat al-Fajr late, and you prayed al-Fard first, you're allowed to get up and pray sunnah after. No, pro- immediately after, no problems. You can pray two sunnah, rak'ah of the Fajr after, if you haven't prayed it before. But don't they make this a habit. Make the habit and the routine that you prayed before. But if you missed it for some reason, then make up for it immediately after Al-Fard. This is better than the worldly life and everything in it. Imagine then the Fard. What kind of goodness and merit and reward and blessings and goodness is in Salat al-Fajr itself. As for the men, after you pray Salat al-Sunnah in your homes, head to Al-Masjid. And if you believe that praying sunnah at home by the time you come to al-Masjid they've already started takbiratul ihram then come and pray a sunnah in al-Masjid and that will be better for your case because catching Allahu Akbar for al-Fard takes priority over all things but if you have time to pray a sunnah at home and then come to al-Masjid and follow the Imam from the very beginning of a Salat for Salat al-Fajr then that would be the better option for you and as for the woman your Salat at home will earn you the exact same reward as a man that prays in congregation in the masjid. فالحمد لله رب العالمين. من كَانَتِ الْآخِرَةُ هَمَّهُ This is how you make the afterlife your greatest concern. Salat al Fajr on time. Wallahi. Wallahi, it is a reality and it is a disaster to know. That a staggering number of Muslims do not pray Salat al-Fajr during its time. وَلَى وَلَى such a person, he wakes up at seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock after the sun has risen. He's already started the day with a major sin. How is such a person serious? That the afterlife is his greatest concern. When he started his day with a major sin, don't ever believe for a moment that the head on the pillow was a comfortable sleep. That temporary comfort you experienced in this worldly life will become a discomfort in your grave. Lend the Nabi saw a dream, and from among that which he saw, a person that was being smashed with a boulder on his head. And the boulder would roll, and the head would be shattered into pieces. Then the head is brought back together. And then the boulder is smashed onto his head once again. al-Bukhari: <laughs> The صلى الله asked the angels, Who is this person? What has he done? They said, فَإِنَّهُ يَأْخُذُ الْقُرْآنَ Two crimes he used to do. One, he did not take the Quran serious in his life. Two, he used to sleep straight through the voluntary the obligatory prayers. He used to neglect and abandon the obligatory prayers. Look at his situation in the grave now. Now too late. And it remains in this matter until the day of judgment. And on the day of judgment, Allahu Alam. His matter is with Allah Why put yourself in a position like this? You want the paradise And you want to make the afterlife Your greatest concern Salat al-fajr must be prayed on time Every single day If you miss Salat al-fajr Once every six months Maybe May Allah grant us forgiveness You still get up Remorseful Regretful You make a tawbah You cry on that day But to pray Salat al-Fajr on time once every six months Hada is a disaster It's a calamity Wallahi a person is in danger Wallahi he is in danger Making the afterlife your greatest concern Requires effort my brothers and my sisters It requires work It requires focus It requires for you to read and understand the seriousness of a deen and to understand your purpose in life. We were only created to establish these worships. Now, what's the difference between a disbeliever and a believer? This is why the Nabi said the difference between us and them is the salat. Anyone who abandons it, faqad kafar. He has disbelieved. Be very careful, my brothers and sisters. And he said, Wallah, change your entire world. Change your entire routine to make sure you get up for Salat al-Fajr and to pray it in jama'ah. There was a man that prayed the entire night during the Khilafah of Umar. Umar did not notice him in the masjid that Fajr So he said to his wife Where is your husband? I did not see him with us in Salat al-Fajr She said He spent the night praying the voluntary prayer And his eyes got the better of him And he slept Umar radiyallahu anhu he said He said Wallahi He said He says By Allah it is more beloved to me that i pray salat al-fajr in congregation that's more beloved than spending an entire night in voluntary prayer and then sleeping and not attending salat al-fajr in jamaah huge deal a huge matter a muslim doesn't pray salat al-fajr in jamaah wallahi during the life of the companion such a person has a big question mark on him labeled among the sahaba as a munafiq hada what is he preparing for the afterlife hada is far away the nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said innaf qala salatin ala al munafiqin salat al fajr wa isha the heaviest press upon the hypocrite is Salat al-Fajr and he began with that and Salat al-Ishā had a hypocrisy the one who misses Salat al-Fajr and a person is thrown into kufr if he abandons and he neglects it altogether and this is by the word of Rasulullah and at the same time there are great virtues and great benefits for the one who prays it in congregation. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, He says, بَشِّرِ الْمَشَّائِينَ فِي الظُّلَمِ إِلَى بِالنُورِ التَّامِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Congratulate those who walk in the darkness to Al-Masjid with full and complete light on the Day of Judgment. Shuf, sure, on the day where people will be struggling. Walking on that sirat, on that thin path That is sharper than a sword and thinner than a hair And people are falling left and right But the believer, his salat al-fajr Because it's a prayer that is prayed still in the dark Becomes a source of noor, light for him Walking with clear vision And no obstruction whatsoever Allahu Akbar Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Anyone who prays Salat al-Fajr in congregation He earns the reward of praying the entire night. You yani see what I began with in that two raka'at and if you're struggling with all of that and weren't able to introduce this to your system and your routine no problems get up for Salat al-Fajr خلاص, deal and pray it in al-Masjid you earn the reward as though you prayed the entire night when in reality you were sleeping all night. How goes that? The one who makes the afterlife his concern and his care, Allah blesses him. Allah looks after him. Allah does not shortchange him. There's goodness in whichever way you look at it. Allahu Akbar. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said man kanat al Anyone who makes the afterlife his greatest concern. After Salat al-Fajr, you sit and you engage in Adhkar after Salat. And they are six. Wallahi, they will not take more than three to four minutes from you. And the reward that's in them is immense. And after Adhkar, after the prayer, you engage in the Adhkar of the morning. And they will take about 15 to 20 minutes from your time. And they are found in many apps. One of them is called Dhikr and Dua. This is an app that, alhamdulillah, we worked on. Dhikr and Dua, Allah will give you its name at the end. Download it, open, sit down, read al azkar Each one, wallah, waqsimu billah, better than the other. In terms of what he offers of reward and merit and greatness and blessings and mercy and forgiveness, one of them is to say, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika kulli qadir a hundred times. And as you repeat this word, you're sitting there repeating this word. You can sit in the masjid, you can walk out, no problems, you repeat it. But you internalize and you feel that the entire world was created for this word to be fulfilled. The only reason the entire world was created it was because of La ilaha illallah. Mankind and jinn and the angels were created for la ilaha illallah. The paradise and the hellfire were created for la ilaha illallah. The heavens and the earth were created for la ilaha illallah. And everything that is in existence was created for la ilaha illallah. And as you say it one time, two times, ten times, twenty times, you know what that does? It softens to the heart, to the point where you realize, and what was I rushing to? Where am I going? Where am I going? What am I rushing to? The worldly life is coming. Ya Ammi, it's coming. No problems. It's not running away. This entire worldly life is worthless, pointless without this word. You see what that does? It now gives you a sense of reality that the afterlife is greater than this worldly life. Because once you've realized that La Ilaha Illallah is the greatest thing on earth, tell me what kind of worldly concern would you have? If you, even if you had a worldly concern, it will be shattered and destroyed right then and there. Imagine someone has began his day like this. What's that in a span of what? 40 minutes? 45 minutes? And then you walk out. Wallahu wa uqsimu billahi. You walk out. Tuned in the right frequency. You're in the right state of mind and heart. And your soul is in the right direction. You have spent the last 40 minutes proving that the afterlife is your greatest concern. You walk out. Roo, really, truly, the afterlife is your greatest concern. Wallahi, you can't make this up. Wallahi, you cannot fake it. You will actually walk out feeling in your heart that the afterlife is my greatest concern and not this worldly life. Get ready for the prizes that are coming. Number one, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Anyone who made the afterlife his greatest concern, Allah would gather his affairs. Allah will organize his affairs. Allahu Akbar, what a beautiful, grand gift and a prize, especially during this day and age in where people's affairs are all disorganized and thrown all over the place. Today you sit with someone, assalamu alaikum, my brother, how are you? You see his eyes going all over the place, rolling all over the place. Ammi akhi, what's wrong? Wallahi my family, my marriage, my children, their future, my home, my debts, my taxes, my... Doesn't know where to start and where to begin and where to end. Amma the one who started with that kind of mourning. Hatta what is he going to hold of concern of worldly life? Allah will gather and organize his affairs. He'll walk out of the doors of the masjid knowing exactly what he wants to achieve and do this very day. Not confused. That's the first prize. Second prize. Allah will put wealth and richness within his heart. What does that mean? You know there are some people, their wealth, their wealth and their riches are in matters they possess. There are people, their wealth is in a house they built or in a car they purchased, or in a business they own. So the very moment that house is destroyed, or that car is destroyed, or that business ends and declines, he suffers, emotionally, psychologically. Why? Because his richness and his wealth, and his wealth was tied in materialistic matters. So when they are taken away, Emotionally he's disturbed, psychologically he's disturbed Then we have the stories of depression and suicide and anger and whatever it is But to have the prize And to have a reward In which Allah places wealth and richness in your heart No one can remove it from you That means that a person will definitely be satisfied with what Allah gives him of this worldly life Because his richness is here It's not in what's around him Maybe he doesn't possess anything in this worldly life. But here, he is content with what Allah has decreed for him. Heather, this is a prize Allah gives for the one who makes the afterlife his concern. And it makes sense, yeah? Because this person, his concern is the afterlife. Why is he going to lose sleep over something of this worldly life? When he knows the reality of it is all doomed and destroyed. <laughs> And that's the third prize. And this worldly, worldly life will come to him on its nose. Allah will give him extra and bonus of this worldly life. Not just what was decreed for him, but there will be prizes and extra gifts and mercy and blessings from Allah. Allah, the one who sits with people that have experienced this matter, will tell you stories and stories of what Allah has blessed them in their life. From unexpected paths. That's as a reward for making the afterlife your greatest concern. wa hiya Why does the world come forcefully on its nose? Because the believer doesn't want it. Nor does he seek it. So Allah Jalla brings it to him by force. Allahu Akbar. And the conclusion of the hadith in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gives us contrary to this person. Waman dunya and anyone who made this worldly life his concern. How do you make the worldly life your concern? Skip all of that what we mentioned. Hmm. Put the alarm at 8 o'clock or 7.30 in the morning. Purposely missing Salat al-Fajr. Heather, this person, his worldly life is his concern. What happens to him? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, shamlahu. Sham Allah will disrupt his affairs and disorganize his matters. He wakes up on a major sin, and he's confused. And perhaps he starts the day with a lie. Well, brother, I am late. I'm coming. I'm on the way, and there's traffic. Well, there's a big accident ahead of me. He starts the day with a lie. I know. Look what happened. shamlahu. Faqrahu bayna and Allah Azza wa Jal will place poverty right between his eyes. What does that mean? It means no matter what he ran and sought after in this worldly life He will always feel discontent He'll always feel poor He is never satisfied with what he has And nothing extra will come to him Except what Allah has decreed for him and Whatever your rizq is, don't worry That's guaranteed, that's going to come As the Nabi sallam said If you were to run away from your rizq in the same manner you run away from death, then your provision will come to you. In the same manner, death will come to you. But nothing else, nothing special, nothing extra. Khad. Why? Land of the world, the life was his greatest concern. ولا ولا so, my brothers and sisters in Islam, I think the hadith is very clear. The road to Allah is very clear. The path of goodness, the path of the afterlife is very clear. Anyone that is serious concerning his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly the direction in where he is supposed to be heading. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to instill within our hearts the reality of the afterlife and to make the afterlife our greatest concern. We ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala that he allow us to worship him in a manner that is pleasing to him. We ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala that he accept from us all. And he admits us into the highest levels of the paradise مع النبيين والصديقين والشهداء والصالحين وحسن أولئك رفقاء. And I leave you with one hadith, and this is the final hadith I share with you. And Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says, من جعل الهموم همّ واحدا همّ الميعاد كفاه الله هم دنياه. Anyone who makes all his concerns one concern. And that is the concern of the afterlife. You see, every single concern you have is a worthless concern. The only healthy concern and worry is the concern and the worry of the afterlife. Whoever made his greatest concern the concern of the afterlife, Allah Azza wa Jal will suffice him from all his worldly concerns. You have a concern of health and wealth and shelter and clothing and rent and school and whatever it is, Allah will make a way out for you in these matters. And then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Woman tashaabat humum and anyone who had multiple concerns and made them priority in his life over the concern of the afterlife. Allah which of these concerns ends your life? Allah does not care. Because ultimately one of these concerns is going to bring your heart to a stop. And it's going to end your life. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to save us from that. Wallahu A'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.